1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the setting for the verse I want to look at here for a starting point, you can see in verse 1, Paul says to the Corinthian church, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual or spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So with the Corinthians, there was different things going on as far as how they viewed things. To some degree, they saw things the way the world saw them. And he said that they were carnal, and Paul, with his great riches that he had, could not depart, excuse me, not impart certain things to them because of their carnality. So down in verse 6, he says, I have planted, well, let's go back uh, to verse 3. He says, for you are still carnal, for where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behave like mere men? Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Uh, So in verse um, 7, he says that, So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And one of the things that you'll see in the scriptures, I mean, I don't care where you look in the Bible, if you have eyes to see, the Lord can show you that he's after certain things. And one of them is increase. Now, increase can be viewed in various ways. The world views increase as, uh, as far as their thinking, success, uh, having position, having honor, uh, having a home, having uh, a nice home, several cars. That's increase in the eyes of the world, having a nice job and so on. But the Bible teaches something quite different as far as increase. And there are verses in the scriptures that draw this a distinction between the riches of this world and the riches of God. Now in, I'll just quote this one here. This is in Proverbs. It says, For riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. So the point there in that verse is that this life is fleeting. It, you know, whatever a person can acquire as far as you know, success as far as money, as far as uh, all the material things that they could possess, it's all fleeting. It, as it says here, for riches don't last forever. They're gone, and whenever you know, we pass on, those riches go to others. Whatever we have in this life uh, go to others. And I remember this one individual was telling me this story about this man. I'm kind of getting off on a side here, but... He was telling me the story about this man who acquired tremendous wealth. He, he you know, owned companies and so forth. And in his will, he stipulated that he wanted to be buried with his money. And so they put his money into large denominations, and he had so much. They took everything out of his coffin but him, you know, and they put, put all this money, they stacked it up. And they found out that they couldn't put all his money 
uh, into this casket. And so they had a dilemma there. And so one of his relatives said, I have the answer. So he came up and he wrote a check for all the money and he put the check in. So, so you don't take it with you. He took the money. Thing. And so there's nothing that we have in this life that we take with us except the investment of God in our lives. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, but those who desire to be rich, so that's the problem. See, the problem is the desires in the heart of man. See, desire can take a person to many places. Uh, you know, one individual just told me last week, this person I met, and they told me that they have gone to 25 different countries. And I thought, well, you know, maybe they're on the mission field. And I said, so why did you never tell me they were just in Belize? I said, well, why were you there? And they said, well, because I like to ride horses, and I like to ride horses in different countries because there's different types of horses, and, you know, that's their focus. But that's what they want to do. That's the desire of the heart. So the desire of the heart can take the person to 25, 30, 40 countries. Desire in the heart can take a person in various places, but in this context, here, it's a desire to be rich, you know, to, to be someone who has great wealth and to take that and, you know, bring that to your, yourself, to your life, to your heart. So it says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. The temptation to not be satisfied with anything in this life. The temptation to always want more. The temptation to want more money. Uh, they fall into temptation and snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts or desires which drown men, which, which come upon a person and causes them to sink. To sink into what? Into to where? Well, he says to sink uh, into destruction, and that means to utter ruin. That's what low and neat lexicon says. It's utter ruin. And to perdition, that's loss. That word means loss. So the desire of the heart, and you can see this with people, the desire to be rich, the desire to have uh, success, a, a, a good job, a good position, will energize people to move in the direction of that desire, whatever it may be. Uh, and the desire to be rich is very, very, very powerful, and it is moving in the hearts of many, many people. Uh, we know that it's moving in the hearts of those in the world. There are people that, this one individual I know personally, every time you were around him and you talked to him, you could be talking about any, anything, doesn't matter what it was, but he would always bring the subject back to making money. And he was by no means rich. I mean, he, he had some, some money, but I mean, he was, but that, that desire in him drove him to work 20, 16, 18 hours a day, a day. He'd work two jobs, full-time jobs. And so there is an energizing there that, you know, a person sets their heart and their desire towards something. And then they're energized to move to fulfill that. But see, the 
contrast in the scripture is that you have the riches of this world, you have the riches of this life, you have all this that the world can give and offer, position on, or whatever it may be. And then you have something else over here that, that Paul says that Apollos watered, or I so to say Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. The increase that Paul is talking about is in contrast to all the world has and all the world can offer. And in verse 10 here, he goes on, he says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, or the root of all kinds of different evil. The love of money, the desire for money. It's not money. The money's not the problem. And see, as a Christian, you, you have this also, I don't care who you are, you always have this temptation to move toward a certain desire. And I can tell you assuredly that there are Christians who go to church, you know, they read their Bible, and they may even, you know, teach some Bible study or whatever, but one of the focuses of their life, and I have met them actually, one of the main focuses is to make money. Now, it doesn't say that you can't have a decent job and you can't have money. It says... It says, the love of it, the love of it, is the root of all evil. So that the desire, and actually that's not, I looked that word up, it's not agape love, it's not, that's not it at all. That actually is not even in the picture. What it's talking about still is a desire, a strong desire for something that cannot satisfy. The love of money, the love of whatever. Now I'll turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. And you see this, as I said, in different places throughout the scriptures. It's, even if that, that's not the subject, you can still see it uh, moving. Verse 4, but God, who is rich, he's rich in mercy because of his great love toward us, and so on and so forth. So God is rich. And the richness that God has, he has this strong desire to place that in his people. And so in verse um, 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, uh, he made us alive together with Christ. See, that is a tremendous wealth. That is a richness that the Father uh, wanted to, to do or to put in your life, so that whenever you responded to the gospel, there was a richness that came and dwelt in you, and that richness is called Him, Christ. And now, as a Christian, we have all these different opportunities. Uh, you know, we have different circumstances that we move into and move out of that have the potential to bring to us and to be put in us that which the Father desires to be put in us. So that this life here that we live is not about all the things that we see with our physical eyes. It's not about even some of the things that are, are taught and preached in some churches. It's not about a lot of different things that, that take the attention and move our spirit 
to the side so that the enrichment, uh, the riches that the Father wants to put in us, uh, that, whole, that whole thing there now does not function the way it should, see. And there are Christians who are caught up in so many other things. There are so many churches anymore that are, are steeped in activity rather than in the impartation of the riches of Christ. You know, that which God has put in us, you know, flowing out. So in Matthew, Matthew 25, I think sometimes when we, we read this parable, we see this parable and we, we miss what the Lord is really trying to say here uh, through this parable. In verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So the context of what he's going to say here, and you have to see this, because if you just start a few, two or three verses, a few verses later, and you don't read verse 14, you're going to miss the context that Jesus puts this in. The kingdom of heaven, that's, or the kingdom of God is the context. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on, on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in, in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And th this, this is talking about an increase. It's not talking about investing your money. And I've heard this talent thing used for that many times where they say, well, you know, it says in the scripture that you're to invest your money to make a return. Well, that may be okay. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about an investment, investing your life in the kingdom or investing your life, as Jesus said, in kingdom principles, which have the, the potential to bring to you and I this increase that Paul talked about in Corinthians, the increase of God, the increase in one's life, the increase that he wants in every single Christian, bar none, everyone. He's interested in this. So this here we take and we quote, and it's, that's fine, but still the, the, the context is that you sow your life. The context is that you, know, you are to move under these kingdom principles. The kingdom of God is as this. Verse 21, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you invested in him. So you allowed the Lord to work in your life to bring about certain things that brought an increase into you. Now I want to put that in context later here. 
You were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. And by the way, when he's talking about this faithfulness and this ruling, he's talking about character, by the way. See, it's the character that caused the individual to invest in, or put it this way, to follow the Lord, uh, to, to listen to his sayings, and to do them. See, that, that will produce character in the individual. When you uh, hear the word of God, and when that applies to you, and as you do that, see, you will... Uh, be in a position for God now to put increase uh, in your life. So I will make you ruler over, over many, I believe, is based upon the character of the one who did this. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. So it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it doesn't have to be this worldwide ministry thing that people want to get into. You know, they they want to, you know, touch everyone. He says, you are faithful over a few things. So whatever it is that in the will of God for you that is before you to do, and you do that faithfully, you do that as the Lord, uh, you know, instructs you and he shows you and you follow him in that. See, you're faithful in a few things. He says, now I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reaped where I, where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered. So you have, and this is where people abuse this scripture, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received uh, back mine own with interest. See, the, the context for that is the kingdom of God, having an increase. So he's talking, he's using this, this thing in the natural to portray the truth of increase. There should have been an increase there. If the Lord has given you something, which he has everyone, or put it this way, uh, there is the will of God for everyone's life. And as you follow that will, whatever it may be, it may be just a few things like we see with the two talents. It may be a few things that you do in your lifetime. See, that's not the point. The point is, are you following the Lord in that? Well, if you follow the Lord in that, then there will be the increase of God. You, you can't get around that. That's the way it works. You know, God wants to increase, and there are, there are actually two things that we'll, we'll just touch on in a few minutes that are key to your enrichment in Christ. Two key things I see in the Scripture. So anyway, verse 28, Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talent. Now listen to this. 
For to everyone, this is verse 29, for to everyone who has, well, what does he have? What does this person have? Well, what he has is his own personal investment in the kingdom of God. That's what he has. That's the increase. So, for to everyone who has, who has this increase in the kingdom, that where, where they're, they're being enriched, you see, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, well, what does he not have? See, he didn't invest his life in the kingdom, so he, all he has is what he started out with. He doesn't have the increase. He doesn't have the enrichment. All he has is what he had from the start, you know, which may be some small amount. And this is kind of uh, pretty tough. He says, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And I don't know exactly what that means. So that maybe the person gets in, as they say, by the skin of their teeth. Because there's been no investment in, in the kingdom. There's been no fruit. There's been, as far as their own personal life, they have not uh, moved in these prin principles of the kingdom. You know, sow your life. You, know, you must die. You must humble yourself. You know, different kingdom principles. Because they did not do that, you know, there's, there's very little, maybe the skin of their teeth left when they go in. So, you know, the Lord, he puts these things out there for us to, to see. You know, we read the, the Bible, I hope. And if we want to know what the Lord is saying, we need to pray and we need to say, Lord, you know, what's going on here with this? And allow him to reveal certain things in his word for the purpose that we direct our lives in that way. It, it would serve no purpose for the Lord to reveal certain things to me personally if I would not at least be willing to hear him and, and to move in that way. What's the point? Now, the Lord can do that, and he does that for the sake of judging the person, because then he says, okay, this was your opportunity, this was your opportunity, this was my word to you, and, and you didn't listen, you didn't follow through with any of that. So that's a case for judgment, yes. But as far as your enrichment and my enrichment, you know, what is the point in Revelation? See, Revelation serves no purpose for me, for you. Hearing a message is good. You know, hearing, you know, the word preached is good. But see, we must have hearts that are, are there so that if there's something that the Lord wants to, you know, bring to us, some revelation, well, that, we, we want to be able to receive that and, and, and follow through with what the Lord is showing. So, I mean, that's, that's very, very, very important. Now, keep that in mind. I actually want to go to this now, and I have two other verses I want to look at, so I just want to make a note here to come back to these if we have time. Okay. There are two, I would have to say, there may, may be more, but these two kind of really 
stand out in the scriptures. There are two necessary components in the Bible for your enrichment as a Christian. Now, let's just go to 1 Samuel for a minute. Okay, 1 Samuel 17. We know this verse, but that's okay. 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. Now, this is uh, whenever Goliath is... um, He's down there and he's mocking the, uh, the Israelites and so forth. Verse 25, So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up. And David's listening to this. Surely he has come up to defy uh, Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches. So David hears this and David, I don't believe, is, he hears it, but he doesn't hear the way they're saying it. See, David is not interested so much in how he can be enriched, although he asks them about what, what's the king going to do. But what you see here in the heart of David is that he goes out to face Goliath, Goliath in faith. See, so there is this element of faith. You see it throughout the Bible. And that element of faith must be present in our lives, a faith toward God, in order for Him to enrich. That must be there. See, how can the Lord deposit certain things in you if you don't have faith uh, toward Him? I, I don't see how... I mean, I guess in some instances he, he, can ha- he can do that. But as far as the direction of your life, see, uh, faith, you must have faith in God and move in, in that direction. See, because that will be the direction that God will be able to enrich you in. If you're in unbelief for everything, how can he, how can he enrich your life? See, you, your life has to be moving toward him in faith. Now, the second thing uh, is obedience. So, first of all, we have to have faith in God, and then we must obey him. Now, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 4, verse 1, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe. See, we're to keep, we're to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord uh, God of your fathers is giving you. So there is an observing or a keeping in verse 40. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may be well with you. So the, the keeping or the obedience is necessary for it to be well with you. And, and the, the word there, well, of course, in the context, it's, it's meaning to go in and possess. It means it's dealing with that. And, um, and meaning also uh, that they would, it would be well with them when they would go in to uh, face the different giants, the different people in the land. But the word itself, for just, just for a minute, for it to be well with you means, I believe, an increase. See, they're going to go in. See, here they are. 
this was the promise. Now, we know what happened, but here's the promise. There, this is where they are. This is where they're dwelling. And the Lord says, okay, now I want you to go in and possess. So in order for them to move in the promise of God, to go in and to possess, see, it, it must be well with them. The well is talking about the increase that the Lord wants to bring and, and put in them, in the process of them following him. So there must be faith, and we know they could not enter in because of unbelief. And then there must be obedience, or you could say following. You see, the Lord will come to you. He'll come to me, and he will give directives. He may use his word. He may speak to your heart by the Spirit of God. You know, whatever way he may communicate... And he will show you a way to go. Now, I'll say this. I normally don't say things like this for various reasons. But when I was married the first time, I came home from work one time. And uh, my wife at the time said to me, I want a divorce. I want, a, I want separation right now, and I want a divorce. And so I was kind of really taken aback, and I, and I said, well, let's try to work this thing out. And so at the time in Pennsylvania, I don't know what it is now, but at the time there was a no-fault divorce in three years, and that was it. And so we separated, and she was living in the house, and I was paying the mortgage and all the bills. And I found out that she had a boyfriend and he came to live with her. And I want to tell you something. My initial response was, now you have to understand, you know, the way I was before, which you don't. I understand. I wanted to go down there and just rip the place apart and so on and so forth. But see, I was at a point where the Lord had started to work in, in my life and do certain things. And the directive, the Lord showed me this, that you, know, you have to treat both of them like you would treat me. And I said, that, that's impossible. It's impossible. And so I struggled with certain things. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I was able to function in this whole thing, and there was a lot of other things going on in this whole situation, but I was able to function in that as the Lord was leading me. So he would show me to do this thing or to not do this thing, to, you know, this type of answer, a soft answer, whatever it was. And he, he said this to my, in my spirit. I, I, this was one of the things that really, really touched me. If you don't want to regret things later in your life, follow and obey me in all these things. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. So I walked in that thing for three years, and, you know, I was given a bill of divorcement. But I'll never look back, ever, not one time, and regret anything that I did. Now, if I would have went off and, and just flew off the handle and did some things that came into my mind, I believe that that would, that would have just changed everything. And I could see, 
Now, it wasn't pleasant, but I could see the hand of God working in this. And that was the first place that the Lord started to show me his ways. I started to see his ways in, in this thing and see his ways here. All the time, my heart being pulled out. It's like, it's like being... But see, do we want to be enriched by God? See, the Lord knew my heart. I wanted him. And I said that early on. I said, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to walk with you, and I want you to put certain things in my life. Whatever that is. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, do it. And, you know, you pray a prayer like that, and then later on, you don't know. You're in the middle of something, and you, you can't, you're not putting two things together. You know, like your prayer, and you're not putting together what's going on here in your life, what situation you're in. You're not putting it two and two. So the Lord has to come, and he has to show you. Well, this is what you prayed. This is what I'm doing. And this is what you're going to come out with. And so... Little did I know that the very thing that I hated and I didn't like at the time and went through was going to be the thing in which God was going to use to start enriching my life. You know, his ways are just they're so far above us. You know, e even now I see certain things and I look and I say, I, I have no understanding. I don't understand, Lord, you know, this particular thing. I just don't see it. It's like the more, the more you start to see in the Word, the more you start to see and experience with God, you know, you really start to see your lack of understanding. You, you really don't know very much. It's just, you know. And so that was one area of my life. And then after that was another thing that the Lord took me through for many years. And, and so... You know, I look back on some of these things, and they were not very pleasant at all. You know, on the contrary. But I, I would not trade, I would not trade any of those experiences. The Lord did something in the one situation that I have never experienced before and never experienced since. I would never trade any of that. And the Lord works all things together for those that love God, to those that love him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, my directives. Okay, this is what you do in this situation. This is what I want you to do here. Okay, you're going to face this rejection, but this is what I want you to do. Well, all things work together for good. And so the Lord did this miracle after miracle, I'll say, with me, changing me, enriching me, because I believe I had faith in him and I was obeying his directives. See, and, and those, that's why I'm saying those two things in the scripture for you are key. Remember that Jesus says to um, his disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? He said, well, some say you're the prophet. And, you know, and then he says, now who do you say that I am? And Peter says that you are Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And then he says, flesh and blood have not, has not revealed that to you. So he has this revelation. Then he goes on. He says, I'll build my church upon, upon Christ, upon this revelation. 
Then if you go down to the next verse, or the next couple of verses, whatever it is, he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. So what are the keys to the kingdom? I've heard people, different people talk about the keys to the kingdom. Down, you know, break down the, the walls of the enemy. You have the keys to the kingdom. What, what are the keys to the kingdom? Well, that's what, what I'm telling you here. See, faith and obedience are two keys to the kingdom that will bring enrichment to you, to your life personally. Now, I can't say how that's going to happen. See, because you are in a certain place, you are in a certain circumstance, and how you respond to the Lord in that, as He is leading you personally, will be key. It will be key to your development. It will be key to the Lord enriching you and putting that in you that He wants to put in you. As I said, Paul said to the Corinthians, you are carnal. You say, I am a Paul, I am a Paulus. He says, he who plants and he who waters, they're not important. But God is the one who's important. He's the one that your faith should be in. Not Paul, not Apollos, not Cephas, but in God. Because he is the one that gives the increase. So your faith in God will bring increase in time. Your obedience to the Lord in your personal life, whatever that may be, will be one of the keys of the kingdom to bring you, or as, as the kingdom principles are laid out, to bring this increase into your life. Now, I don't want to stop there. I didn't go through some of the verses I wanted to go through, but I, I want to show you this because there is a reason for the increase. See, the increase in your life, the increase in my life is not for me. I mean, it is for me, but it, it's not for me. As far as my thinking, my heart, my life, my direction, uh, the increase is not to be for me. So turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8. Now in this verse, you'll see a pattern. And the pattern here is to be followed in our lives. See, so that we, so that we understand this, that the Lord wants to increase. Now, if you've come to the Lord, and you all have here, and you see where you were in the beginning. Now, I'll just say, Tom McGowan, where you started in the back, in the foyer, and how, how long ago was that? Three years? Oh, my. See how time flies? Five years. And I know that where he started from and where he is now five years later, there has been an increase in his life, quite an increase. Now, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, let's go back to verse 8. Let me see here. No, let's go back to verse 7. <laughs> I'm seeing something else here. 
But as you abound in everything, in faith, you see how the Lord puts that in there? Abound, what does that mean? It means increase. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I, I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Okay, now, this is what I want to show you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, so no one was as rich as Jesus was before, yet for your sakes he became poor. So he left the riches of heaven. He comes and he's born on this earth. And from Revelation 1.1, it seems to me that the Lord has left quite a bit when he came here. Let me just read it real fast. You don't have to turn there. The revelation of Jesus Christ, listen to this, which God gave to him. Did you hear that? So there was an emptying of himself when he came, and he had to be filled up just like, you know, he had to have the increase just like you and I, just like the pattern in the scriptures. And John says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. So he didn't have it. The Father gave it to him because of this whole him coming to earth thing, I believe. So here he says that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So you see the pattern there? Jesus, who was rich, he became poor for your sake, so that you would become rich through his poverty. So, the pattern is that we are given certain things. We're given an increase. We're, uh, the Lord imparts to you for the purpose of enriching others. That, that's the reason. You can't just keep your riches to you. It doesn't work that way because uh, it, it will become stagnant. Uh, the water without any, uh, any flow, uh, without an exit, becomes stagnant. See, the Lord pours into you. But see, that's not just for you. I mean, there is an increase. You, know, you, you do have something. But it is to give to others, just like Jesus. That's the pattern you see there, and it's also in other places. The pattern or the, the reason he enriches you is so that you can give and you can enrich others. That's the reason. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. And see, we have to have that heart, and that has to be in our thinking. See... To just say, well, hey, the Lord did this great thing in my life and he's been you know, working and he's putting some of the characteristics of Jesus Christ in our life and you know, thank you, Lord. That's good. But we must have this heart that follows the pattern of Christ so that we would become poor. In other words, we would do whatever is necessary. We would, we would sow the seed of our life and die. Nothing. Poor. So that we can enrich others. And as I see it, that's one of the calls 
that's one of the things the Lord really desires. And, and he, he's after that, the increase. And, you know, the Lord will invest in your life and in my life sometimes for years and years and years. I mean, you may sit here in the church for 20 years. And then all of a sudden, the Lord may take you and spin you out like a top, and there you go. And now he's going to use you in something, you know, some Bible studies, some, who knows, to minister to people, whatever it may be. And, and now, you, so you go out there and you're spinning around and say, well, I, I can't do this. I, I have nothing from the Lord to give. And he, you don't really know. And then finally, the thing comes upon you and you find out that, well, the Lord must have done something. He must have increased you know, your life because now things are pouring out of you to other people. And you say, wow, that's really nice. That's really good. So, you know, have faith in God and obedience and use those keys to unlock what he has for you, to unlock the great riches and treasures that he has for your life.